0: Hello and welcome to Sanctuary Educate podcast where we will talk all things mindset, money management and our entrepreneurial journey. Along the way we're going to throw in some amazing guests for your pleasure. I'm Shane Highland.
1: I'm Gareth Shears. This show is going to change your life and teach you skills that school never taught you. Boom! Leanne, thanks for coming. How are you?
2: I'm doing good. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well. I'm very well. It's actually nice and sunny today. We should make a change for what it's been like.
2: Yeah, torrential has been horrendous, hasn't it?
1: I know every time I look at the 10-day forecast, we wouldn't have enough to talk about in the UK, would we, if we didn't <laughs> talk about the weather? But a lot of the 10-day forecast, everyone I look, it's like rain, great. We gonna have any sun at some point.
0: Well, my mother's in the west of Ireland, and any time I ring her, and I intentionally ring her when I'm in... She's not listening, I hope, ever. I ring her when, I, when I'm in the car. Because I can then justify, I'm just popping into the shop, I'm here. But it's like, beep, hello, hello ma'am. Oh, how are you doing? What's the weather like over there? It's the first question every <laughs> single time. 20 years in the UK today. Is it? Yeah.
1: Blink your neck.
0: Or in Wales. Does that, you know. I'm not <clears throat> as long in Wales as in Ireland. But do you get to a certain stage where you actually technically become I don't know. Welsh? It's an know. Welch.
2: Where in Ireland are you from?
0: Very west coast, a place called Mayo.
2: Okay, all my family are from Cape Clear, which is west. It's a tiny little island, three miles by three miles. Off, the, off
0: which county? Galway? Cork. Cork oh, further yeah. kind of southwest. Really south, yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, tiny little village. My Grandfather came over when he was really young to the docks of Cardiff. Okay. Uh, married a Welsh girl. And uh, you had 13 brothers.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of well. normal back
2: then. Yeah. We yeah. come from <laughs> potato stock, is what I say.
0: Yeah. Were, tellies were invented and then families reduced. No,
2: they were c- Catholics as well. So we were all Catholics until, well, I was until I was about 12, I think, when I <laughs> rebelled. <laughs> do you go back often? At all? Never. Never? No. I've been to Dublin a couple of times. Oh, that's not Cork, Ireland. But not really. You always see that. An- you always see Dublin's on Ireland. I do a trip. It's like going, to, it's going to
0: London and thinking, that's the whole of the mm. UK and it's, it's Scotland and Wales and all that.
1: Well, like Americans do think that is the, the whole of the UK in fairness. They do. They might know Manchester at a push, but uh, Wales is always part of England isn't it? I should get a, you speak to a I, lot.
0: Irish tourism to, to pay. But flight from Bristol into a little village little it's not a village it's an airport on a mountain called Nock. I'm talking about Catholicism and all this seemingly it's where Mary appeared 150 years ago there's a big shrine and there's all these little shops that sell tack but other than that and the airport that's it but you get into you get to there and there's a lovely city called Galway which is half an hour away mm. and it's superb it's got loads of shows and it's got um, a huge amount of pubs and restaurants and all that it's a very touristy place but it is proper Ireland, unlike yeah, yeah. Dublin
1: did Ed she write a song about it
0: uh all He did, yeah. yeah.
1: So <laughs> obviously got some uh, memories for him anyway.
0: I'll, I'll I'll come back from the road we're going down.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um how's things? How's business busy by all accounts? Good. Casablanca Very busy. and everything.
2: Yeah, so um we diversified a little bit and um decided to open the Casablanca on the original site that it was on. So originally an old chapel. Yeah. Um that became a bingo hall, that became a club. Um, so we decided, well, I say we, I decided to, um, turn it into what's going to be more offices, uh, for the staff, for the agents and the producing side of the business. Um, and I decided to put a bar in it. So I thought- For the staff. For the staff. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. That's the absolute truth. And I thought, well, it'd just be for the clients to come in and have a, a glass of and a tea and coffee at lunchtime kind of thing or whatever. Um and it just grew. And what ended up happening was people just kept saying, Oh my god, this is amazing. You're opening on the old site. I used to go there. So this huge amount of people who'd been there back in nineteen eighty six or something, watching Spandau Ballet, um, all decided they thought it was a great idea for me to have somewhere for people to come locally and considering in the area most places have closed all the pubs have closed yeah. around us and mischiefs Us there now is going yeah, yeah, as well yeah. it's going is it going it so been a few years, it? We, you know it, it's it was just a bit like okay well let's just see what happens we've got a pavement license for like 25 people i think maybe more um and we opened five weeks ago and it's been really busy so we're open from at the moment 12 to 10 seven days a week Okay. it'll be 10 turn soon we do things like tapas uh nice. cheese boards meat boards you know goats you know peppers and goat's cheese that kind of thing um and we've been supported by other businesses like corrado's they've been amazing at helping us uh and also caesar's arms have been lots of lots right. of advice cameo club so they're all friends in business who know that it's n- i have no idea about that side of the world, apart from <laughs> eating in those restaurants and bars, eating drinking in those bars, um, and so that's why you know that's how it it happened. It's as I said, it's, do, it's doing really well so far.
1: You gonna put music in there?
2: No live music, no. possible. I I doubt we've we've got music in there, but not not live, no music. live music. Possibly, we were thinking about doing some acoustic guitarists and things like that on a nice. Sunday, maybe. Yes, a bit of an
1: open evening type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. It, I. I I kind of originally started out in the pub trade, working for Whitbread and pubs, restaurants. Oh. I do, I do love that kind of thing. It's always been one of my. I never actually want to run one again because mm. I did that, living on site and all that. But I quite, I do like that because I like to eat out and I like to kind of socialise yeah. and stuff like that. And I'd love to do what you've done.
2: Mm. It's interesting because it's all new. That's all new to me. But yeah. I've made it a family business, so three of my kids are working there. Nice. Um, and uh, I've got a manager, somebody I knew from going into a, a restaurant regularly. Um, and obviously the staff are there, and all the people we rent our other properties to go there. So we've got six production companies that rent from us. So they're, they're in there every week. Uh, and then in the square, in Mount Stuart Square, there's lots of other production companies as well, and they come in. So it's somewhere where you can just kind of be yourself, chat about work, you know, Nothing's going to be shared. It's a, bit of a media kind of hub cool. then. Yeah, a little bit of a yeah, media yeah. hub. We've also got the Ukrainians that come over from the hub. My friend Helen's one of the main people who run run that. Okay. Um, so lots of writers and and uh, directors of of uh, Ukrainian films uh, come over and use the space just to, to sit and write all afternoon as well. Um, and then the locals. So lots of the locals. Um, come in which is really great because it just makes you know they're they're over the moon that somebody's done it and it's somebody who's comes from cardiff as well and whose family originate from across the street so and I'm, my my parents grew up in you know grangetown so you know i felt it was my duty to to do something uh nice. for the family really
1: Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's, it's a nice thing, isn't it? It's just something different, a bit of diversification as well. Yeah, isn't it? You
2: know I mean? right. yeah and I think because obviously, you know, I started out as a, a kid on a council estate um, and I got a scholarship to go to drama school. Um, And at 17, I left home and never returned home to my mum and dad's house, Um, but just constantly worked as a performer in the West End. I did things like Les Mis and Fame and other shows like that in the West End. Um, and then decided to open up my own agency because I was working for a friend and doing really well at getting his his clients' work. So I was agenting in the day uh, for somebody else and performing at night. So I'd be playing Fontaine at night and (laughs) agenting in the day. Um, And I did that for a good few years. Um, And then I decided, right, that time has come to open my own. So I packed in performing and just put everything into... Five grand, five grand on my credit card. Borrowed, you know, borrowed a a desk and a chair and computer on HP back in the day, mm. twenty three years ago, and um, just grew it organically. And yeah. I think ultimately, what I learned really quite early on was that you know it's only so far you can go with organic growing unless you're really lucky. Yeah. Um. You know. It, you know. You can only unless you take calculated risks in other areas of life which is I did in property um it's very different it's difficult to grow a business unless you've got backers or other people who know that world more than you because I wasn't a financial person I wasn't an academic I was just everything going on everything so I had to bring in good bookkeepers and good good uh accountants otherwise I'd have probably spent the money
1: yeah, see, so I think, it, and that's a big lesson in business: to sh- surround yourself with the right people, isn't Absolutely. it? And the, and the right kind of team around you to kind of to take some of the skills off you that you mm. don't have. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I think that more more than anything else, that's what I've learned. It's like I've opened a, ca- a cafe bar. Um, I, I'm I'm a good cook anyway. I'm good with food. Good good with presentation. Um, I'm, I know what it's what I expect my staff to be able to behave when people come in the door. Um, but I'm not a manager. So I am well, I manage agents and I manage actors, but I'm not a manager of people within hospitality. So I've had to bring in recruit people who've done that. That's all they know. Um, and that's all they want to know. That's they feel passionate about. Uh, so that's been a huge learning curve for me. Um, and I'm still on that journey for that, which is exciting because it's something yeah. that I don't don't know everything about you know
1: yeah it's it's an interesting industry like i've I've worked in you know it it, it isn't just about managing people you know it is about stock control Mm. and you know getting your margins right and stuff because when you're in that kind of industry the the margins are quite tight on stuff at all it's like now is probably quite yeah. kind of expensive you know even down to the fact of like spillage of drinks and stuff like that uh, yeah, and like yeah. you know if you're running pumps and so on and so forth but yeah it, it bringing someone in who kind of knows how to do that side because it's that, that's a big learning curve do you know what mm. I mean like like I'm the same. I'm passionate about food. and I like food. And I know it should be presented on the service. but and that's a big thing that's lacking these days. I'm finding a yeah. lot of places, and I think it's. I know people are struggling to get staff, but some of the experience you have in restaurants and bars at the moment is terrible.
2: Mm. I think it, it is difficult, and also because a lot of the staff are young, so they don't really understand it. Um, that, Do they not care
0: thing. as well? Is
2: that part? No, of it? I, d- I don't. I don't think so. I, I think. Um, I do think the attitude to the younger generation at the moment, not with all, but some, even my own kids, you know, we have, th- I have three, the one is incredibly passionate and would do absolutely anything and really works hard. The other, one of the others is a little bit more like we've got to motivate them the whole time to get them to even want to go to work. Uh, and the other ones has got an attitude like they're doing you a favor being there. So I have to do, right, this may be a family business, but I can fire you. And they have been fired at least six times in the past five weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I'm not very good at managing my own family. That's the only thing. And, and the reason for setting that up as well was I wanted to have a family business because mm. I've worked so hard and have these six kids that I want to to help. You know, and things like mortgages and that they all understand. And the youngest is ten. They all they all understand about mortgages and how important saving money is and they all have their go you know go henry's and as well and their savers saving my oldest is 19 and now got his own flat he's got his own mortgage he has to pay every month um but we rent it out because he understands that the outgoings overall outgoings are like 900 pound a month it's a luxury fabulous flat but he can't really afford to live in it yet yeah and he understands that yeah so it's easiest for him to live at home rent that out till he's paid some of the mortgage off and then he knows. Then by the time he's twenty three, twenty four, he'll be able to have a really lovely home that's nearly paid for. And you know he's worked hard in his job, um, so you know he can afford to do that. But it's also teaching them the value of money, and that it's not going to be just handed to them because nobody handed me anything. You know, I had to work for it.
0: Who who came up with that? Did he decide he was going to do that? Did you chat to him, or did you come up together? Because that is. That is superb listening to it in mm. terms of understanding the concept of money, the value of money mm. and planning for the future. Um, which I think not many nineteen year olds mm. will do. I don't even think that many twenty nine year olds will actually do, but that mm. listening to that is is superb.
2: Um, uh, well, I took out uh back in the day they were child trust funds. You have know, the government five hundred yeah. quid when they were born. Yeah, that's right. So for all of them I did that. And paid just money in every week, sometimes like 25 quid, you know, back when it was, things were tight. Um, and it that's obviously gained quite a bit of interest, but not massive, 10 grand I think it is or whatever yeah. each. But it's enough to say, right, don't go buying a car with it because you don't make any money on a car. As soon as you've spent the money, you've lost money, uh, put it into property. And one thing I always swear by is property because, you know, people will always need homes. You know, same as land, they don't make any land. The lands, that's land, that's it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've been able to do things in business because I have property. You know, during COVID, I, if I didn't have property, we wouldn't have survived because those rental properties kept everything else going when every show and every television went stopped. You know, and we still had lots of stuff to pay. Um, and so they've learned that watching me and me discussing that with them as well. Um, and my 12 year old's already talking about putting money into stocks and shares and things. And the oldest one's done a lot with Bitcoin and he's, you know, he's, he understands that world far better than I do. Yeah. But yeah, so he saved his money and I said, well, I'll match it and, um, but you're going to have to get the mortgage. So he had to work, he had to work hard, get his, go to the bank and say, look, I had an interview with the bank, um. And they were like, right, okay, you, yeah, I've saved this money. And they were like, well, you're 18. Well, he said, heard of to give an 18-year-old a mortgage. And he said, well, I've saved the money. I've been working regularly. He showed them and he said, no. And that was Nat West. And so I said, okay, there's lots of other banks. So we went to see lots of other banks. And then the next bank we went to see, they said, yeah, absolutely, no problem at all. Nice. But, you know... It is if if an eighteen year old can save money and can show their their commitment, and to show their understanding of having a mortgage, that should be enough. You know, I had my own mortgage in London at twenty, my first flat because, and I was told by everybody not to do that. People say, "Oh, why do you want to gamble?" Well, because I'm paying eight hundred quid for a rental flat, and the mortgage was like hundred and seventy nine pounds or something ridiculous. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you? So it's just common sense. I think a lot of money is actually just common sense. for some reason, we get so bogged down with graphs and charts. And even in my accountants now, every every three months, every quarter, we get we get all the graphs and charts and stuff to the business. And I look at it and go, well, did we make money or did we lose money? Well, we make money. Great. I don't want to see a graph. Give that to the bookkeeper. You know, I know I should be looking at graphs. But no graph has helped me bring in money over the past 23 years. You know, it might look pretty and make me understand it a bit better, but knowing what's in the bank account and knowing what we're lacking and, yeah. and knowing which person within the company isn't performing very well uh, and addressing that is more far more important to me than seeing it, the graph go up and down for the last six months or three months, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think- money is made
0: hard, I think, or people complicate yes. money. And I think if they complicate it, it makes them sound more intelligent and if they sound more intelligent they can charge more money if that's what they deal in. Mm. But money, money, as you say, is very, very simple. You know, forget about money. What makes a person happy? How is that going to continue for the rest of their life? And yes, an 18-year-old is going to have a different uh, plan, you know, for the next 40 years and when they get to 28 and 38 that will change. But try and map out as long as, f- as far ahead as you can mm. and align the happiness with the money and that's very, very simple. It's not, not rocket science.
2: No, it's not. And I think it is harder for kids to get on the, you know, youngsters to get on the property ladder. So I thought, well, if I'm in a position to help him, I might not be in a position to help him this time next year or, uh, you know, next next year. Mm. None of us know what's around the corner. Oh, no, exactly. And all I do know is he has a property now that makes money for him every month. Um, and it's up to him if he wants to do the next one. He knows about he can do a buy a buy to let now. Yeah. But that's down to him. Yeah, yeah. And he has to save that money and he gets no help from me because I've done my bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. um, I've got the other kids after to now to do when they get to 18. But it is about that. It is about supporting them mm. and getting them to understand there's consequences to, you know, spending that money, um, you know, uh, buying designer jackets and designer shoes instead of doing that put it into the bank and save money towards uh, getting a mortgage
1: yeah exactly and it, it's an educational thing isn't it of course, Do and we mean? don't it,
2: get taught that at school no we don't none um, of the kids get taught that and and I think you know as I said my 12 year old he's already discussing that with me mm. He's already planning for his future he says I don't need your money mum He because I'm gonna make my own he's 12 because I've always said that to them but
1: you've instilled that behavior oh, yeah. haven't you and, yeah. and I think that's the difference you know there's a lot of kids out there and the schools are not doing it, do you know what I mean? And and that's what we're really passionate about that. like, like we've, we've got a free mortgage course, so we we built a course which literally takes a first-time buyer through every single step they need. to you know. Even when they go to view a property, we've got a printout sheet. These are the things you want to look for. These are some of the key things. You know, Do you want it to be near a school? Do you want to be near a pub? Do you yeah. want it to be near X, Y, and Z? So you take these things off, yeah, this is my ideal property for this. And when you go and have a look... And it's, it's a very simple course. It's free. It takes probably about half an hour, I think, to go through the whole thing. Um, and we give it away. The
0: thing is, they have to listen to the two of us, but mm.
1: unfortunately, you have to watch and listen to us. But there's a lot of free downloads on there, and and even down to what, what the, what's the bank going to look at when it comes to credit? You know what what are they going to want? They're going to want three months' pay slips. They're going to want bank statements. We've got to make sure your bank statements don't have things like you know Klarna coming out of there. They don't have like payday loans and all these type of things. All these things they need to learn because mm. no one's really teaching people that. You can go on the internet and you can mm. listen to someone who's never sold a mortgage in their life to a client, never advised one you had to get a mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. And they probably never even had a mortgage in their life. Mm. But we're trying to say look, we've done this. We we this is what we do day to day with clients. This is kind of it. And and we're really passionate about, it. you know, we got money management courses and and I think the schools do need to educate kids about it but you're know, like Rishi's come out with this thing, hasn't he? Learn maths till you're 18. We don't need to learn trigonometry till we're 18. Actually, 99% of the population don't need to learn about algebra and trigonometry, if I'm brutally honest. Mm.
2: That's what my 12 year old says um, at the moment when he's nearly 13. He's, he absolutely hates school at the moment. He said, Can I just not just work? I said, Well, you're 12. What have you got to offer yet? You haven't got enough to offer us yet, as in, you know, in, in work work world. Um, he said, well, I can learn, he'd rather, he just wants to learn, he's, finds it difficult, things like algebra, why am I sitting, yeah. learning something I am never going to use? I said, well, there's obviously some reason for it, yes. and it's a way of thinking and a way of using your mind, I said, and it's a way of problem solving. I said, which you might not know now, but at at some point in life, you will wish you'd learned it. I said, I employ a bookkeeper and an accountant. I'd be a lot richer if I didn't have to over the past 23 years of paying their bills. Um, And you can probably do your own if you pay more attention to your maths. My maths is awful. I'm really good with money. I'm really bad at maths. It doesn't make any sense. But... That's just it, you know. This a um, different type of maths, isn't totally it? Totally different ta- kind of maths. You, mean? you know, whereas I've got friends who are really, really, really intelligent who work for the Royal Assembly, for example, and they can't work out how to get a mortgage. And they would sit to me with me and say, how do I get a mortgage? They're yeah, 50. exactly. And I'd be like, how have you even got a mortgage and you're 50 years old? I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Don't understand how it works, but, you know, they and work that, for the Royal Assembly and and in that's a, a really big, high power position. And that's who, a big thing for us. It's like
1: education and that's what like this podcast about the youtube channel and the stuff we're going to try and get we're, we're kind of pushing out there for free um because we want people to learn about that mm-hmm. you know i mean and actually know how to do it properly yeah. i mean because no one's really kind of doing like and there's so much rubbish out there on the internet you've got to be so careful but you yeah, know i say like i say it's, it's testament to you with what you have kind of do with the kids but you, you touched on covid actually i hate to use that c word but um
0: i did think it was banned
1: yeah, probably probably a banner will come up on YouTube because we've even mentioned it now. Usually, what kind of happens? Um, but your industry, performing arts, I guess. Yeah, mm. yeah, there. entertainment uh, industry, entertainment industry. Uh, whole, yeah, um, at a heavy hit, did not it?
2: Huge. <laughs> it's crazy. I was like watching the, you know, the financial market crash in front of your eyes. Yeah. You know, when but Mister Boris Johnson decided to say that the theatres can stay open but nobody can go yeah otherwise you'll die you know that kind of thing so obviously every single producer pulled their shows gave every actor every single person who worked within the theatre and the television industry overnight their their red card almost to say we're closed here's two weeks money and see ya including the biggest producers what was that
0: evening like let's say when when that came out can you you probably it's probably one of those um ptsd things you don't want to bring to the forefront no, again, I, but can you remember you know were you sitting down in your in your I can kitchen remember it, like the it phone started ringing and the amount of swear words that you started going and and what
2: this wave of, of negativity because it's yeah. it's it's never happened before you know no, i was at home and i had all the kids there and trying to keep the kids all happy and up you know um, so playing games, and I was cooking three meals a day for, I had eight of them at home at the time, so my son, back from London, he was in a in drama school, back from London with his girlfriend, um, and my other half's three kids. I was cooking for eight people every day, day, three like three meals a day, my other half's a nurse, so I was literally on the front line doing COVID, um, and so I was dealing with closing two different offices, dealing with staff, dealing with clients, uh, we had a new production company as well, all at the same time. So we were producing our first film, um, which we later went on to win a BAFTA for, which was incredible. Um, but, you know, I remember standing in the sitting room and the on the television and, and it was like everything went into slow motion. Listening to him say, everything can stay open, but we say, don't go, in so many words. Um, and literally... All the kids laughing and joking and saying, oh, what's the problem kind of thing, not understanding it. I'm mm-hmm. just going into like a shock, like slow motion, walk back into the kitchen and my phone just did not stop ringing. And the interesting thing is every single staff member said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, I have absolutely no idea, but I'm sure we'll work it out. And I didn't have a clue. Of course I didn't know, I've never dealt with it before. Nobody has. Um and it was literally every minute of every day thinking, how are we gonna gonna sort this out? We did and we did diversify, we did take on more influencers, yeah. we took on writers, people who could work during what in my head I thought was going to be at least a year of, you know, upheaval to see the big boys like Cameron Mcintosh firing people overnight, letting people go. Um, without redundancy packages either, you know, literally 10, 10, years in a show when you're out of work, got two weeks, been told two weeks. So all those people with mortgages and children, you know, they had no money. They're trying to get benefits, you know, when they've been earning whatever and they've spent their money. Uh, and then suddenly they've gone from earning, I don't know, 50, 60 grand a year, some of them 70 grand a year, 80 grand a year to nothing. Um, within two weeks.
0: Are they all looking for you for yeah. the answer.
2: Completely So how do you How do you keep
0: Because you're going to have Inside I imagine You're going to feel Shit What the hell is going on yes. How going? But externally As well as In front of the family And for all of these people That you look after You're going to have to be We're coming up with a solution We're, we're going to think of doing it this That's way Yes what we do, While yeah. inside it's going let's absolutely. let's tell them something and let's how mm. do you keep motivated through that how do you keep the because surely all the stuff that's in your head is going to be absolutely frying you day after day potentially not sleeping going when is the end gonna
2: yeah i mean i'm i'm quite um i'm quite an optimistic person i see things if, when disasters and things go wrong i I generally always look for the silver lining. I'm one of those really irritating people. Like People always say, you always land on your feet. I don't always land on my feet. I just wobble quite a lot, like a weaver wobble or a womble. <laughs> I get back up again. I go, oh, right, I'm going to swear now, but I'm not. You know, yeah. You know. right, let's do this. Um, and I'm really, really blessed. I have incredibly supportive parents, have great kids. I've got a brilliant partner. And my uh, I've got staff that have worked for me while... Well, one of them has been with, Debbie's been with me 20 years. So yeah. um, I trust her. She trusts me. She trusts me that I'd get their, everybody out of the mess. Um, you know, and we, we we worked hard as a team. My staff worked really, really hard. They watched other agents being, got rid of overnight. Mm. Um, lots of my friends who were agents in London literally got rid of all their staff overnight. Um, was we didn't do that. We I handed the entire business for the Manchester office to the agent there and said have everybody have the business just gave her it to we closed the london office um and took all the work from the london office down to cardiff and and it was the best thing for us that we could have ever done and it made me realize i said the importance of your staff more than anything else and being loyal and trying to be as as creative as possible with their time so so they weren't just sitting there going oh I got no work you know um they were thinking outside the box we could furlough a couple of people which was great just let them have some time just to work out what they were what they wanted and what they wanted to do part-time furloughed some but you know it was an ever-changing thing we just had to kind of work out you know different things would change sometimes a production would suddenly come out of nowhere you know and we'd have to take some of the, uh, the some of the uh, agents off furlough. Uh, uh, and then others we just had to kind of you know leave to it 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 was it was stressful it was really stressful yeah, yeah, and but i'm in a, in a weird weird way i'm i'm not glad it happened because obviously nobody's glad it happened but uh, it was a, a really good thing for me personally because it made me value much, much more my family and the people I work with. And I take work, I look at work very differently to how I used to. I don't look at it. I don't get stressed about work like I used to. Anywhere near, nowhere near. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's just work. And even with the staff, you know, they've all gone through difficult times. Some have had, you know, mental health issues because of it. And I've said, look, it's just work. It's just a job. And... Ultimately, that's you know the way you've got to look at it, and your mental health is more important than the job, uh, same as mine is. So you know I do things like if you need a duvet day, just have, tell me you're going to have a duvet day and have a duvet day. It's if you want to work from home, work from home. If you want to come in the office, come in the office. You know as long as they work and they value each other, because if people stop performing in their jobs, other people have to pick up the pieces. Yeah, and they're all really supportive of each other hence why it works and i'm supportive of my staff as best i can be
0: a reset of you and the business to understand what the priorities should be in life where we were all on this roller coaster beforehand of of just cracking on with things and taking the 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 most important things in life for granted absolutely before that time in march 2020 the, the the majority of us probably wouldn't have had a reset because we would have just mm. stayed in the hamster wheel um, and you, I, I think you become more resilient to everything and as you say nothing seems impossible anymore because we all had to adapt like that overnight and you can you can pivot and adapt to any any changing circumstance anymore where in the past maybe we couldn't or maybe we overanalyzed things and, mm. but now you just go right this happens what what way, what route can we go down? How are we gonna fix it and how are we gonna get out of it? Still maintaining my physical and mental health?
2: Absolutely. And I and one of the things I, I really did learn from it as well is taking the emotion out of it. It sounds like a silly thing to say, but I think what happens to a lot of people is when things go wrong they become so emotionally involved, uh they don't actually see the wood from the trees. It's 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 interesting because I a friend of mine I met many years ago, um is a, a really was a very, very big agent for the stars. And she comes from a a very famous family. And I was with her one day, and she said about the 24-hour rule, uh, her husband's a a big lawyer, media lawyer. And uh, she had a client who she was earning, he was earning three, four million a year contract. And he left her. And she was so angry because he thought he wasn't going to pay a commission on this $4 a year contract. Her husband said, do not do anything. It's a 24-hour rule before you pick up a phone or put your fingers on any machine to text or email. And they put together an email to say, you know, you are within contract. These are the clauses. This is the solicitor. It's been really lovely to work for you. Um, I wish you all the best. If anything I can do, you know, to help you on your next journey, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this is how much you will owe and this is what I expect to happen. And it was the best bit of his other advice, you know, was take the emotion out of it and a 24-hour rule. Before now, I'd have probably called him up and gone. She would certainly have and she'd have been in business for 40 years. Called him up and said, what do you mean, mate? God's sake, I've just got you four million pound a year contract, you know. Um, but yeah, and as I said, COVID, that time during COVID was a bit like that. I think everybody was tested everybody tested there was never going to be a time when it going to be tested more than that oh yeah it's a bit like it was like being in a f- big american blockbuster movie wasn't it you know
1: that's why I liked it to. it literally was like some scene from a movie mm. i mean when that announcement came in
2: yeah
1: it was kind of like right okay take a breath what are we going to do
0: Mm. At what stage are they going to make a movie about it? Two, another two or three years? Yeah. When the emotions are kind of a bit... Who's going to make them? it? <laughs> I think
2: they've started already looking at movies, yeah. Yeah, they will
1: have, yeah. yeah. Definitely. There'll, there'll, be, there'll be people outlining it, won't they? And Things be, take
2: time to get off the ground, but, you know, it's, it's yeah, who will be the first?
1: Yeah, that'll be it. Um, let's go to, so how many, how much talent are you looking after at the moment? Do
2: you know, I apt couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Is probably around about two hundred. Yeah, nice. There six six agents. Wow. Um, which is not bad. Most agents in London look after about eighty, is um, it? eighty clients each. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we we try to keep it as low as possible, only because so it's manageable. It's manageable, and it's 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 more of a personal management rather yeah. than as a, a big you know, machine. machine. Of, a lot yeah. of the big agents have thousands of clients. They actually don't actually know who they have a lot of the time. Yeah. You
1: know. No, That's interesting. So something we talk uh, kind of a lot about in kind of podcasts is uh, sudden wealth syndrome and, and it, I guess it's kind of generally categorized that when someone comes into a lot of money quite suddenly mm. and they struggle to cope with it, mm. which can be lottery winners, people who sell their business, but also can be people who've suddenly broken into you know, kind of media and TV and suddenly they again these big contracts and a lot of money and yeah. actually don't know how to deal with it. Do you come across that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we have done quite a lot over the years. Um, I, You know, I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not somebody who says I know anything about money. I just, all I've ever advised any of our performers to do is to seek advice um, and to invest well. I.e., you may, I always say every dog has his day. That's the first thing. You're only young for two minutes. That's my other line. And it's true. Because you may be pretty and young at 21 and everybody mm-hmm. wants you on a billboard. But as soon as you get to 40 and you're fat, it's harder to sell you. Um, and I think that it, you don't see that when you're 21. You you know, we, we no. think we're going to be 21 forever. Um, and all that I know is that advice that I'd been given at 21 about buying properties and putting money that I was earning when I was earning a really good wage as a performer was the best advice I could have ever been given. And putting money into bricks and mortar is really a safe bet no matter how high the mortgage rates go no matter how much properties cost they may fall but they'll rise again they fall yeah. they rise again and over a lifetime things equal out you'll always have something to sell then if you fall on the bones of your bottom you know as a performer if you're not working you can remortgage you know or to take some equity out things like that you know it's, it's giving you the flexibility, especially if you've done it well. We've got one client, she was in a TV show for years and she's bought, I think she's got 20 houses. Really? And she's now really well known as a singer as well as, as an actress, but she's oh. got 20 houses all rented out. She doesn't yeah, ever so. have to work again. And know? that's
1: being savvy. And you, and you see that yeah. with some of the footballers, don't you? you know, like there was always that, uh, was the song from the terraces for uh, Robbie Fowler, one in Liverpool? We all live in a Robbie Fowler house, wasn't it? Because mm. he, he was quite, a lot of footballers are not very savvy with him, and he, but he was, wasn't he? Buying up streets of the mid Liverpool, wasn't he?
0: There's a there's a difference, I think, for footballers and and reality. Because o- over the weekend there was two two things. on one, I was reading the papers on on my phone. There's a footballer that played for Liverpool, Stoke, and that Jermaine Pennant, and he's had um, mental health issues, but. He had, I think, he earned ten million quid over the course of his lifetime, and he's now bankrupt. His yeah. house went, uh, was was burnt. Um, but when he moved to Spain, he left his Porsche in the car park in Sp- in uh, the UK and forgot he had it. So you kind of think, <laughs> guys. And he said, I bought properties. I didn't even know I had a mortgage on one in Cheshire that was two million or something. But then you have um, yesterday in the uh, the Sunday Times they always interview somebody, um, and yesterday was Louis Spence, and he said I went from. Is Pineapple Studios Yeah 35 grand a week A year Yeah To um, the show And he said I was earning over a million pounds a year Like that he said There was a 10 A 20 A 40 A 60 grand check Coming through the post Every single day And he said It was unbelievable I was just getting paid Shed loads of money He said me and my partner Were given. I told Garth this morning 60 grand to go away to Gran Canaria to film um, three minutes each day, so they could put something together. They paid for us. They gave us mm-hmm. sixty grand. He said it was unbelievable. But in fairness to him, he he acts a bit of a fool. He said financially, I'm stable. I don't need to work. I've got two properties, one here, one in Spain. He, I think he's he's done well for himself. Yeah, he's had a good lifestyle. He knew he said it was never going to last, and he's not as busy now. But financially, he can pick and choose what he wants. He yeah. said it has dried up. But many Absolutely. don't do that. Do but he's okay.
2: Yeah, and he does dance uh, academies and things like that as well. So he's got a whole other business that he'd have an income off. That he's not always at. You know. He, he also
0: is. said he'd come out to your to your party yeah. for
2: ten grand. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? But it's you know that's that's clever. That's yeah. that's the right thing to do. And I I think ultimately, unless you've got a good manager behind a lot of performers, yeah, they do fall by the wayside. Um, and and also explain, it's really difficult because you don't want to say to somebody, look, you're doing really well now, but it might all dry up. Because some people just continuously work and always do well for 20, 30 years. You know, who's anybody to tell anybody that it might dry yeah, up exactly. or they might get, as I said, fat and, fat and old, you know. It's, yeah. it, can can it's, I ask, you know?
0: do, you ha- do you have to be the the type of person, if you have a good relationship with somebody that you're looking after, that... I understand they're in potentially the public eye, so they have to potentially always look good, always wear good clothes always be seen potentially at an event um drive a good car. Do you have to sometimes tell people to rein it in and and understand that you know incomes versus outgoings may need to to be um balanced out because this might not all you that you have you is a responsibility, what I'm saying, is for you to protect the future them rather than them just living a lifestyle that might be a bit fake at the moment because there's far too much money coming in now that there might be in the future?
2: It's not really your job as a okay. as a manager, <laughs> really. Um, you know, you can give hints and, and advise as much as you like, but yeah. I think what you find with a lot of performers, and especially influencers, that, you know, they get a lot of people giving them advice. They get a lot of them giving them advice that benefits them. Yeah, and for you to then say well actually mate look you're not you're, you're not that talented anyway you're only making loads of money because you've just struck gold being on a programme everybody thinks you're cute at the moment you're going to be fat within the next couple of years uh, you're talentless and people will be on to the next Love Islander after that
0: I can see why you wouldn't put it that way to them yeah, sat, sat on the sofa next <laughs> to you can't
2: <you>. exactly <laughs> that and, th- and, and, it, and it is that you know we we, we get constantly asked for to represent people who've been on these shows all of the time. And Geraint and I have to sit down and go, right, okay, are they going to work? Same as MPs, you know, we look after people like Karen Jones, the ex-first minister we look after. Um, you know, and you know, he does lots of after dinner speaking, yes. he does his, he's got his book, he's, he's on programs, the Welsh language programs, primarily, you know, I've known him 20 years cause our sons are good friends, but I knew him and I knew he was, there was more to him than just that, that job description. He was also a lawyer before that, a barrister before that. So I knew that, knew that, you know, Karen was going to be somebody that we could work with and would enjoy working yeah. with. A lot of people that come to us who have come off some of the reality programs, you know, have all they want to do is be famous. And that is a complete difference to what I started out the industry in. It wasn't like that. You know, you didn't have to be, you know, uh, you you had to be talented. You had to have trained. You had to have done your dues. You Can know be passionate s- about it as well. Passionate. You know, start off as an ASM or go to drama school for three years, you know. Put the graft in. Graft. Real Graft. And I think, unfortunately, we're living in a world where we see talentless people becoming famous and earning lots of money overnight by, you know, doing very little. Um, and, and that also influences the, our kids that are watching TikTok yeah. videos oh, of people 100%. who are earning millions and millions of pounds. So, you know, g- giving them a reality check is difficult. And also, going back to what you're saying, that money isn't always going to come in. Yeah, It isn't. And... When you're living off, we all do it, if you think about it. We're all living on a salary that we have. And some months we overspend more than we should. Or, you know, we 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 get a car, a car that we probably can't afford. Um, and then the money stops. COVID taught that middle kind of band of people earning, you know, that 40 plus hit them hardest. Because they were the ones with the mortgages and the cars, uh, keeping up with the Joneses. And suddenly went. Jesus, I can't afford this Porsche, or I can't afford this. And all my friends with Porsches suddenly got rid of them. You know, I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, and I think it was time. I went, thank God, I'm still driving around my old Discovery. You know, thank you know, i, haven't got, I don't owe anything on it. Yeah. it's it's. And I thank God I got rid of that massive stupid house I had for ten years. Do you know It was thing. It is things like that that um, you know we can't explain it to a twenty year old. Really, it's really tough. To explain it to them we start as you said as we were talking about earlier on start talking to them about mortgages and understanding what that means and the reason for that and how difficult it is to actually get a mortgage in the first place if you can get a mortgage and you're in a position to do it sometimes you may as a performer never be in a position to have a full-time contract so you're self-employed and being self-employed getting a mortgage is practically impossible unless back in the day you could have a guarantor You know, you can't even do that now. So I can't even guarantee, you know, be a guarantor to any of my kids, you know, to get a mortgage um, other than help them get a mortgage by teaching them the way to, you know, have the bank statements in order, as you say, and all of those things.
1: Yeah, that's a big thing that we teach them because we we do… We've got a lot of clients in the kind of media industry which we've helped with mortgages, even ones during COVID when things mm. were hard. But we were able, because we got a choice of like 90-odd lenders, we yeah. can find a lender who's, who's actually quite sympathetic to the industry yeah. and we'll kind of do it. But it is hard, do you know what I mean? Especially from the self-employed point mm. of view. But it is getting things in order. Mm. And that's a big thing we try and teach people. Because we get people coming to us and go, and you get a mortgage and you're looking, right, your accountant has been really savvy with your tax. Yes. But he's not helping you wanting to get a mortgage. No, it's true. I mean? it's true. And, it's, um, and it's a little bit having that kind of conversation then.
0: Mm. When, when we talk a lot about financial freedom and it's the ability to live your best life now while at the same time remove any fear in the future of running out of money. I Actually, that, that's, that's an ideal situation. But for the 21-year-old who was maybe stacking shelves in Asda eight weeks ago, and earning eight pounds an hour, and now is getting twenty, 20 grand a night. Mm. They probably see that this this is the new life for me. This is never going mm. to run out. Mm. That's I suppose I, I get your point. Now that's hard to instill into them. Come on, it's never going to be like this all the time. You you were able to live on eight pounds an hour. Um, and yeah. Now you're on twenty grand a week. Do you know what? Even if you live on mm. five, squirrel away the, the fifteen. Yeah. But. They don't because they're 20-year-olds and well, they're not educated uh, yeah. properly. And,
2: and I don't even think it's just 20-year-olds. I mean, lots of people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s still still live like that. They, you know, some in one extreme to the other. You know, I've got an uh, an old person in, in my life who's 94 and has just gone into a home and has something like 250000 in her bank account sitting there, but catches the drips of the water from the tap in the sink to flush the toilet. Wow. So, you know, there's extremes There is, yeah. yeah. And to me, I'd rather flush my toilet and, do you know what I mean? You just kind of have and not it's have 250,000 bank account absolutely. that nobody can enjoy. Because yeah. I I'm certainly not her because she's sitting in a home now.
1: It's balance, isn't it? And Completely that's what balanced, we try to yeah. instill in people is that, yeah. you know, live for today, but say. keep one eye on the future. Yeah, plan for tomorrow. Because you yeah. don't wash around the corner. Like we yeah. always kind of say to people, life's not a rehearsal yeah you you never know what you never know what's coming next so you've got to have that one eye on the future but also you've got to live for the day you can't be that person who you know worries about i'm not going to go for that meal with friends on a friday because i might not have any money in 20 years time to retire okay, we we'll go out for that meal, but don't have a start, don't have a dessert if you're going to do it, but still going to have fun. You yeah, know I mean? agree with you. It, it's, it's being that, it's changed, mm. shifting that mindset. But I think a lot of people have gone the opposite way because of social media and like, yeah, sod anything to do with the future, sod tomorrow, I'm just going to spend for the day.
2: Yeah, and like I I get a bit of that. I understand that as well. I do. uh you know, at the end of the day, who do we actually owe money to? Do you know what I mean? Look at the government. It's not really giving a very good example to youngsters, anyway, is it? Nobody gets on. Everybody's on strike. You know, n- no, no. The government can't, you know, stick to any one thing. If our political leaders change as quickly as they do, you know, how can a twenty-year-old, to come back to twenty-year-old, how can a twenty-year-old look at that and look? That's what's running us. And have any faith in anything at all. Um, you exactly. know, if they want to have that car, they want to have that car. If they want to yeah. have those shoes, they want to get those shoes. And as you say, they don't want to have to think about the future.
0: And, and that, that's the big issue that I see, that everyone from, from a 17-year-old to a, a 60-year-old is looking at a government who really don't give a damn about anything. They, they decide... We need more money. We'll borrow more money. Nobody mm-hmm. knows where they're getting it from. Nope. They're spending it like it's gone out of fashion. And you know the thing of years ago when when one uh, party come in and they, they look at their little red box and they open it up and goes there's nothing nothing left in the kitty. <laughs> if if an organisation, i.e. government that are running a country are doing that, that then paints a picture to Joe public, be the seventeen year old, the sixty year old, that do you know what? Just keep borrowing. Just keep borrowing. Have a good life because. We'll worry about paying things back in the future. And who knows, we could be locked down again. So it's a, mal- a combination of those two, you know, what the future might be bad again and other people, mm. let's do do as they do, not Absolutely. as they say. And it's not going to get any better.
2: No. And also, I think the problem we have is when you look at um, a lot of businesses that have gone bankrupt. So, and business entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs who've gone bankrupt three or four times. Yeah. What example do they give? You know, the fact that, you know, people are investing their hard-earned cash into some businesses knowing full well, uh, you know, this one person I know did it recently in Cardiff. And uh, my argument when everybody said to me, oh, I'm thinking about doing this, putting 80 grand into this put this hotel, said, you'll, you, you'll lose it. Well, why will I lose it? Because he's been bankrupt twice before. Ah, how do you know that? Uh, just do a bit of research.
0: Due diligence if you give an 80 grand away.
2: It's 80 grand. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's, it goes back to being dazzled by the lights of fame and fortune, nothing worth having, you know, nothing's for free, nothing is for free. Hard graft is the only way you're going to make serious money that's worth keeping and having. It's not dirty money, firstly, because, you know, they say there's always an old saying if no business is ever a clean business to make a lot of money, you know, probably a lot of big businesses. You know there's at what well, some point you have to sell some anybody I know who've made a lot of money have sold somebody out along the line um you know, and a lot of people can't live with themselves to do that, so there's always those moral grounds on things like that yeah. as well, you know, or you know they've decided to keep small because they don't want the pressures of that. you know we certainly got to a point in business that it was become to become a much bigger entity merged with two other companies, and I sat down and I thought. <laughs> what am I doing, why am I, why, why do I want to do this and I made the decision not to do it because I didn't want to have people, other people having control over my life, um, having a say in what I could and couldn't do, I want to be able to go on holiday with the kids anytime I want, I want to be able to take a day off if I fancy it, I want to be able to do the school run sounds ridiculous I love taking my kids to school in the morning and I love picking them up and if they're ill I can go and get them and if I've got a meeting I have to do my meetings I reschedule them if there's some the kids take priority because you know it is that old saying about the gravestone there's nobody put so they were a really good businessman or a really good businesswoman ever you never see it oh they got me so many jobs I did all these jobs because of her or because of him they don't they don't. People don't thank you. They forget all of that. Yeah. And even if they do thank you, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just work. But you do go, I miss my mum, you know, I loved my mum. My mum was a good mum or my dad was a good dad. Um And those things we all learned during COVID, you know, the people who had shopping taken to them and the people who didn't, you know, and people who were ill on their own and the people who died on yeah. their own and all of those things. Um And how lucky we are to have you know, to have to have learnt those that more than ever before during COVID.
1: Yeah, I think it taught us a lot of lessons. Yeah, it, it did. Do so you got a talent agency, a production company, Casablanca, your properties, your family? Yeah. What's next?
2: Just What's the future en- hold? Well, to be honest, just to enjoy them all really. Um, now more than ever, to keep the businesses going. Um, keep them ticking over. I think I think there's always a, um, this is something I've learned is that we, we're always, I've always as a person always tried to push, push for more, push for better, push to do better and I think I've got to a stage in life where I go to maintain what we have to where we're at would be wonderful Um, because I'm comfortable, the agents who work for me are comfortable, we love what we do. We all have a happy, we all get on, we all laugh. So we'll go into work and laugh every day and to go home and laugh every night and to have happy kids, healthy, happy kids um, and family. To me is what it's all about. It's not about anything else. What else is there to have? I haven't got a yacht. I don't particularly like the ocean. I like, you know, don't get me on a Poseidon adventure put it like that. No. You know, I'd like a few more holidays a year because I haven't been on holiday for four years, but that's because of you know, the C word again, and because I wanted to build business and get to a point that, as I say, I could be mum. Um, So we're just doing what we're doing, keeping Casablanca ticking over so it becomes, you know, a a, a place that people want to come to on a regular basis, make it a second home for people. Thanks. um, And keep all the actors happy and influencers happy and the uh, singers and dancers happy. Radio presenters, telepresenters <laughs> yeah so you know it Reality is just keep, yeah it's just keeping everybody yeah. happy and well, still content. enjoying your own life Yeah, absolutely yeah, exactly. and that's it and as I say, I'm really blessed to have the people I've got in my life to support me.
1: That's superb. Thank you thank you for your time.
0: All the best in the future and thank you very very much. thank you too. Thank you both
1: Thanks for listening and if you enjoyed this episode then please subscribe and remember to follow us on social media for more content like this.